The wedding feast of Cana, John tells us, is Jesus' first miracle. Which is interesting because the first thing to go wrong with the human race was marriage in the Garden of Eden. And therefore, the first thing that needs to be fixed in the redemption of Jesus Christ is marriage. And the wedding feast of Cana gives us a very clear understanding of what Christian marriage should look like. So I want to talk on marriage this morning. I'm not an expert at marriage for obvious reasons. But God is an expert. And I am his mouthpiece. And so I'm going to give you his plan for what Christian marriage ought to look like. And as I was praying over the wedding feast of Cana, this this question kept popping into my head. And it's not a good question. Maybe you don't even like it. But the question was this. Why do people keep getting married? Why, when, when the, the possibility for failure is so high, why do people keep doing that? It's a bad bet, if you will. Just statistics are statistics, folks. I don't want to be a downer this morning. But you have a better chance of getting divorced than you do of staying married right now in our society, which is sad. Is it because people want something that doesn't exist, or is real love even actually attainable, or is it a Hollywood fabrication? I think it's this. I think it's because people know what real love is, and they know what it looks like, and they want it. But few want to put in the time and the sacrifice. Few will pay the asking price for what authentic love is. Or they do for a little bit, and then they get tired and they settle for mediocrity. A friend of mine, Deacon James Keating, he said, when I, I always thought that marriage was me continuing to live my bachelor life with a beautiful blonde at my beck and call. That doesn't work, gentlemen, just in case you're wondering. He said, I learned very quickly that that is not the case. That true love demands a lot. True love will cost you. But I tend to think that people, I prepare a lot of people for marriage. I tend to, people tend to think that like, once they say the vows, like if we can just get married, then it'll all be okay. Then it will all work out. And that's just not the case. With all good things, you have to work at it. And with great things, you have to really work at it. Just saying, I love you, doesn't in fact really mean that love exists. You have to work at it. You have to die to yourself. You have to spend time. You have to spend copious amounts of time in deep communication, learning about the other. You have to forgive. There is a litany of things that you must do. It reminds me, I heard this story a couple years ago. There was his wife, and she had just had enough. Okay? Her husband was always gone. He was fishing, he was hunting, he was working, he was shopping, whatever. But before he left, every time before he left, he always said, I love you, honey. I love you, honey, right? I love you, honey. He kept saying that. One day she stopped and said, you know what? I don't think you do love me. Because you never spend any time with me. So get out. And don't come back. So he left. And he was sitting in his hotel room trying to figure out how he was going to remedy this situation. And he came up with the idea. He said, you know, I'm going to write... I'm going to write a letter every week, pouring out my love, how much I care for her, what I love about her. After a couple months, no response. So he said, all right, I'm going to do it every single day. He starts doing it every day, and they say, you know what, I'm even going to have the post. He goes and finds the postman and says, I want you to hand deliver these to her every single day and tell her how much I love her. 
And after two months, she married the mailman. <laughs> because who's spending time with her? He is. Marriage is so much more than words. You have to make a decision to love. And what does the decision to love look like? That. It's why we have a crucifix in the center. We're supposed to have a crucifix in the center of every church that you walk into. Why? It's the great reminder of what we are called to do. To lay down our lives for the ones we love. And to do it again and again and again. Love will cost you. It will cost you your entire life. Because Jesus is abundantly clear what the asking price of love is. It's death. Death of your own ego. Death of your own desires for the one that you love. But so many are doing it the way they want to. And that's why I think marriage is just failing. There's a thousand different ideas right now of what real love and what marriage looks like in our culture. Few people are heeding Mary's words in the gospel. Do whatever he tells you. Not do the things you like. Not pick and choose what he tells you. She says do whatever he tells you. I don't care how crazy it is. Listen to him. My friends, this isn't rocket science. How we're doing marriage, it's not working. It's not working in the world. It's not working in the church. We are failing. And it's not working because people think, I really believe this after working with enough couples, people think that human love is enough. And it's not. What happens at the wedding feast at Cana will happen to every marriage in this church. In the world, you will run out of wine. And what I mean by that, it's biblical symbolism. Don't miss it. Wine, overwhelmingly in the Bible, is symbolic of love and joy. It even says it, the psalmist, give me the wine of gladness. And this couple runs out of wine. Mary goes to Jesus and says, they're out, of, they're out of wine. They're out of love. They're out of joy. Do something about that, Lord. Human love is not enough to sustain marriage. And it shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because God is the author of the institution of marriage. Certainly, he has to be part of it to sustain it. That's common sense. I don't know if you know this, married couples, but on the day of your wedding, you promised each other something you can't do. You promise something to each other that you can't do. The love that you de desire in your marriage, it's beyond you. You need someone else to provide it for you. And the one who can provide it is the only one who lived it. And it's written right into the marriage right. It's when you exchange rings. Do you know what your rings is a sign of? Anybody? There's a bunch of married couples here today, so you're not married. This is the one time I'm not letting children answer. What is your, your ring? What is it a sign of? Love and fidelity. Yes, eternal love. But the, specifically what I'm looking for is love and fidelity. It is right in the marriage right. You say, Laura, receive this ring as a sign of my love and fidelity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do you wear rings? Because you're proclaiming to everybody, I'm faithful and I'm in love. 
And the one who is providing my fidelity and my love is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you don't want God in your marriage, you don't want love in your marriage. Now, is he the the divine creator of marriage? He is also the one that sustains it. If you cut him out, you'll lose it all. But few follow the plan of Christian marriage because it seems too difficult. G.K. Chesterton said that in regards to Christianity, he said, it's not that the Christian religion has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. I think you can apply that to marriage. It's not that Christian marriage has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Jesus proclaims to us from the cross, the only way to life is through death. And so we must heed the words of Mary today in the gospel. Do whatever he tells you. And not when it's easy. Do it when it's difficult. And you guys, he tells us to do some weird stuff. Some crazy stuff in the eyes of the world. But that's okay because it goes all the way back to the beginning. The first thing that Jesus says. What's the first thing that Jesus says after Mary says do whatever he tells you? What's the first thing? Huh? No. What's the first thing he does? All right, I'm going to read it again. <laughs> he, he says, fill up the water jars. Don't miss it. What were those water jars used for? Jewish ceremonial washings. They would take the water out, they would wash, and they'd put them back into the other jar. These are dirty bathtubs full of nasty foot water. Jesus says, fill those jars up. If I'm a, if I'm a, a waiter, I'm like, Why? But they don't. They just do it. Because they were told to do whatever they tell whatever he tells you. You guys, Jesus is gonna tell you to do crazy stuff in the eyes of the world. He's gonna tell you, he's gonna tell you don't use contraception in your marriage. It's crazy. World thinks you're you're unscientific. He's gonna say, have as many kids as, as I'll give you. Crazy. Limits two. Don't you care about the environment? He's going to tell you to do a lot of crazy things. But I promise you, if you do what he tells you, you'll get what you want. Because he provides. I don't know if you, don't miss that either. You catch how much, how much booze he made? 180 gallons of alcohol. Jesus knows how to party. That's why I like this guy. That's 750 bottles of wine. That's 12 16-gallon kegs of beer. And everybody's already well-tuned. And how is it? Is this Boone's Farm? Is this Pap's Blue Ribbon? No offense, Deacon. It's the best. It's the best. And when does it come? At the end. Not at the beginning. Contrary to what the world would have you think, your wedding day is not your best day. It's not the ball and chain after that. Not in the eyes of God. 
In the eyes of God, the end is where it is going to be the best if you do it right. Where it's most beautiful. I had a funeral a few years back. There was a man, he'd been married to his wife happily for over 50 years. And I asked the wife what the secret was. I always ask happily married couples what their secret is. She said this to me. We're standing next to the coffin together. We prayed together every day. We did, not, we did our best to love each other more than we loved ourselves. We always did the best to forgive each other. And we never missed Mass. In her mind, those are the four keys. And I said to her, I said, you know, you guys were married a long time and you were happily married. And with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, Father, you don't know what I would give for just one more day. That's it. That's hopefully what all of you want. It just so happens that her four keys are exactly what Jesus is asking of you. If that's what we're looking for, then we have to start living it. We have to be lights to the world of darkness. We have to show them that doing whatever he tells us is worth it. That's the price of true Christian love. The question is, will you pay it?